I was very scared to convert than believing that I'm gonna convert. I was so af afraid because I was afraid to face death sentence in, in Islam. But when I realized it is my eternity that I should care about, not my life, I couldn't refuse the truth or let go of it. Although I was so very scared to to um, to convert, I accepted the the fact that I'm gonna be a Christian so very soon. But I wanted to be a hundred percent sure that I am doing the right thing here and taking the right step here because it's not easy for me and it's it's not easy for any Muslim to take this step. Talk, just talk, because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk, welcome to the show. We're speaking today with Tamara Al-Bayadi. Uh, Tamara was born in Baghdad in 1976. Obviously, this is grew up in a Muslim world. That's all she knew. Tamara, welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to start here and ask you, and hearing some of your testimony and your story, which we will play in its entirety uh, toward the end of this broadcast today in its conclusion. But I want to start and ask you, this conversion from being a Muslim to Christianity, growing up as a young girl, you only knew what it was like to be a Muslim, right? You didn't know anything about Christianity, correct? Correct. Yeah. No, nothing. So, so that's the world that you knew. I want you to think to the moment. What was it? I mean, think a moment. What gave you pause? What is it that was happening in your life? Or what was it that was happening in the world that gave you pause to think there has to be something bigger than this? What was that moment, please? Okay, the moment I felt that Islam is not for me anymore, it was not an immediate moment. It was something uh, really deep uh, in my history. Um, when I grow up as, as a Muslim child, I always felt um, God uh, is unfair to me because uh, he, he prefers a, a, a baby boy than a baby girl in any family. And because a lot of a lot of things in Islam that are biased to men rather than women, and these things they have a deep root inside of me. But because I never knew anything else but Islam, I was on a constant search of of the of the fair God, the God that who respect me as a woman. That was that was the turning point for me. So Tamara, so so as a young girl growing up in a Muslim country as a Muslim, I think it's fair to say that you felt something in you that this was inferior that somehow you know the religion and being a Muslim and society as a whole there that you sort of felt inferior to men. And isn't that part of the challenge in a Muslim community that women are not at the same level as men? Well, it, it is a challenge when you start thinking of it, but when you are okay with it, when your life is based on it, it is not 
It, it is okay. Well, because it's the only life you would know at that point. You yes. wouldn't know any other life. That would yes. be like the sky is blue and the grass is green. You wouldn't know any difference, right? Right. Correct. That's correct. But but there was something in you that you felt and knew that it was wrong, that, that really, that men really shouldn't be superior or young boys. Maybe you felt that they were not supposed to be superior to young girls. Is that fair? Um, that is unfair, of course, because um, like I said, when I was a little girl, I, I felt that why a boy is better than me i am i'm a human being just like any other human being why a, a, a boy is better than me why a man is better than me I, I i am working i do my living i travel i do everything a man can do so why this this is happening now why i want to ask so all right, we've just really uncovered something that is very important within this and and i want to ask you this um within society Tomorrow, with all these other girls, these young girls around and your friends and others in society that are young Muslim girls, do you think that many of these had the same sort of maybe questions about being a girl, being inferior and not having the same rights as a man? Do you think that they sometimes wonder why that is as well? listening to the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Well, it's where we say, let the silent voices be heard. You'll find a whole host of shows and a lineup of great content back at AmericaOutloud.com. Do you think that they sometimes wonder why that is as well? Oh, yes, of course I do. Yes, of course I do. And do you know? Do you know what, Malcolm? When when we were in Kuwait and we had this a group of missionary people, uh, let me say ninety percent of the people get converted. They were uh, they were women. Is that right? Ninety yes. percent of the women. Yeah. Ninety <laughs> percent. You know, there were women. I, I want to touch on something. Back to society as young children. One of the problems, as a news commentator myself, Tamara, that I see that is very alarming to me, and that I think a lot of Americans may not even really truly understand, although some do, that when you go back to again society, life in a Muslim community back in Iraq and or any of the Middle East for that matter, and you're a young Muslim like this. Now, you see what a lot of the Islam believers are doing. They're training the young people. Now, and I, you know, what's happening is they're training the kids. These are young children. These are little boys and little girls. And, and let's focus on the little boys for just a second. We're talking boys that are six, seven, eight, three, twelve, fifteen. And these young children... They're trained to hate Christians. They're trained to, to kill people. They're trained in very bad ways. This is something that is always concerning that I think a lot of people don't understand, that it becomes a way of life for young Muslim children who don't know any different because that is all they're taught and raised with. Do you agree with that? Of course I don't. I, of course I don't agree with raising uh, kids to hate Christians. But this is the only thing they knew. That's what I'm saying. But you agree with the fact that that's, that's what they know. That's what they're taught yes. as young Muslims. Yes. That's what I'm asking this you. This is yeah. the only thing they, they know. Well, that's it. That's it. How could they know any different tomorrow, right? Yes. 
So, so having said all of that, um, so, so you're this child again, and you realize that you you really are not a second class citizen. You're a human being. There's something that is tugging at you that is wrong with all this. I, before we leave this part of my conversation with you today. As a young child, as a young girl, back in a Muslim community in the Middle East, take me back there for a moment, please, and so we can appreciate young children that are there, young girls, and you can only speak from really the basis of a young girl. What do you think young Muslim girls, what is life like for them? Give me just a moment. Let's explain to listeners so they really get when you're six years old, eight years old, 12 years old, as a young Muslim girl in the Middle East, what is life like for that girl? Well, you know what? Um, as a, a as I remember when I was a little girl, the only thing I remember my, my family um, used to teach me is how to be a good wife, how to grow up to serve the husband that God will give me one day and be okay to be one of four of four wives. This is um, this is this is Islam. This is the the only thing uh, people know there. They raise their children to be Muslims. A very good Muslims on a, a Muslim concept, not like on a human humanitarian concept. You know what? And um, in other words, in other words, they put uh, being a Muslim and they put Islam first than being a human being. Yes, of course. Right. Yes, of course. Right. It's Islam and then the rest of the world. And then the other point, and so I want everybody to understand what you're saying. And then the other big point is that it's perfectly fine and it's perfectly acceptable. In fact, they encourage it that you can have many wives and many children with many wives and many women and many different families, right? Yes, and you have to be okay with it because this is what God said. This is what God gave to men is to have four wives you know and regardless of the psychological effect on women i don't know how there is a god in this universe would accept this now tomorrow when we say god i want to stop a moment again and remind people <laughs> what we're really speaking about here and let's be clear that everybody understands what we're really speaking about here if you're a christian we're not talking about and this is me talking now i want you to tell me if you agree or disagree but we're not talking about the same god here we're talking about what they call god but it's really allah Oh, yes. Yes, it is Allah. It's not the God that I worship now and you worship. It is not the fair God. It is Allah. So so I want everybody to understand, God is a very subjective term that's being used in the Muslim population. It refers to Allah. Now, there are many people around the world, and even some that profess to be Christians, and many in political circles as well, Tamara, they are trying to get us to accept that Allah is the same as our Christian God, you know they're trying to do that, right? Yes, I know, and this it is not the same. It is not the same. So if you learned anything today, my friends, from this incredible conversation with Tamara El-Bayadi, I want you to hear what she just said. 
This God that is referenced all the time with Allah and in the Muslim world in Islam is not the same as, as a Christian God. And I think those who study this, who are willing to profess the truth, will absolutely agree with Tamara. But there are others who try to be politically correct within this whole conversation, and they are in denial, or maybe they're not in denial in their own body and mind, but they're in denial with the words that come out of their mouth, Tamara. Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's and, correct. And that is a real problem uh, because we're now talking apples and oranges, and then a lot of the kids, they can't understand. They think we're talking about the same thing, and we're really not. Okay, so now you're this child. You you know that it's something's not right. You, It's not, let's put it this way. Uh, Tamara, when you're a young Muslim, a young Muslim girl or a young Muslim boy, the Muslim societies and the communities in the Middle East, with all of the negative uh, life attributes that surrounded of war, of war and 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 uh, hunger and you know um, just all of the strife that goes with being in many of these communities, it is not a good place if you're unfortunate to be born as a young boy or a young girl. It's not it's not a uh, a rosy path to grow up, is it? No, it is not. It is not. It is very, uh, it's very rough. It is very hard, and it is very challenging, in terms of like challenging you in, challenging you in a way that you cannot think. You just do. So sometimes you just want to be yourself. You cannot. And, you know, here's what bothers me. When you look at these beautiful, beautiful children, these beautiful human beings that are that are born in countries like Iraq, like Iran, like Kuwait, like Syria, and like so many other countries, they don't have a choice, my friends, as to where they were born. They weren't asked, you know, you don't go through a Rolodex and pick out the country where you want to be born. You're born in those countries. The sad reality is, and I just want to remind everybody, Again, not to over-politicize anything, but when you take a look at what's going on in Syria today, and then you look at this phenomenal movie that Netflix just came out called The White Helmets, which is an incredible film, by the way, which talks about they going in to save lives. Because the point I want to make at this very moment with Tamara El-Bayadi is this, is that every human life matters. Well, if you're looking to make a little more room in your home or your office, or you're looking just to get a little more organized, I want to give you a solution today. Closetsbydesign.com. I've used them in past years. They do tremendous work. They build closets out, food pantries, garage, you know, shelving in the garages. Uh, They do flooring, wall beds, organizers, all kinds of things. Check them out, folks. Closetsbydesign.com. Every human life matters. That's correct. That is totally correct. And and these children are as important and precious to this life, this earth, this society, as those that are born here in America or anywhere around the world, in Europe or anywhere else, but yet they don't have a fair shake. And it's because of their surroundings. It's because of the adults who are um, uh, tainting all of this and corruption and using these children. And then tomorrow you can get into so many more things that really bother me. Tomorrow, things like human trafficking, things like sex trafficking, things that abuse children and human beings that start when these kids are 6, 8, 10, 12, 
12, 15 years old. It's a tragedy. But it is legalized in Islam. Can you believe it? So it take, is, take a moment now and let's tell people what you mean by that. So what you're saying to me, human trafficking, sex trafficking, selling children and women for sex is perfectly good and legal. Yes? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And you can read the Quran. Uh, Malcolm, for people who they they never read the Quran, they they just cannot believe it. But believe me when I say to you, it is written, it is there. Muslim people, they do practice these things with a legal umbrella. They do these things. And that is one of the reasons makes a lot of people leave Islam to be sometimes even an atheist. They just don't want to be in Islam anymore. Some other people who are fortunate like me, they get to have a great encounter with Jesus to know the truth. But some of them, they just want to leave because these ugly practices, they are there in Islam and they are legit. They are legit. And, and here, and thank you for saying that. And here's the problem with all this, okay? And, and this is where it gets very complicated. Now, I can tell talking to you, Tamara, I can tell in talking to you here today on this radio interview, I can tell this. You're a very caring, thoughtful person. And you are, I can also tell by the way you've said certain things, you don't want to um, talk uh, mean to anybody. And you're not trying to down religions either. That's not your game here, you know? No, no, of course. I, not. I don't get the sense from you like you're, you know, that's not what we're trying to do today. But what we are trying to do is to get the truth out. Correct. The truth. The truth. Do you know what the truth is, my friends? What the truth means? The truth? Yeah. The truth is undeniable. The truth is fact. The truth, you know, people try to spin the truth all the time. They spin it for their own well-being. They spin it for their own power struggles. And, and, and they spin it for a lot of reasons, but it's not the truth. It's the spun truth. So... I have experts on all the time on my talk show and on America Out Loud that come all over the world from Europe and other places tomorrow who speak about Muslim experts in Islam and Muslim and people who speak about these things. And then we have our political leaders here in America and others who are trying to suggest that this whole conversation of good Muslim, bad Muslim, good Islam, bad Islam, what is the difference? What does it mean? Here's the test. From what I understand, Tamara, and I want to ask you, having grown up in this, knowing and understanding, from what I understand as a layman myself, but one who studies it enough to be able to speak about it intelligently in broadcast, here's what I would say. If you just read the first nine verses of the Quran, you don't have to read the whole thing. You just need the first nine uh, chapters of, of, of the Quran because it's a, it's a massive publication. But if you read the first nine, you will get what Tamara just described is written in the word. It tells you how to act, how to be, how to do, who you are, what you should be, and what you cannot be. And whether you consider yourself a good Muslim, a bad Muslim, a mediocre Muslim, or any kind of Muslim, if you're studying Islam, and that is a Muslim in Islam, it's all the same. If you're an Islam, if you know, Muslim is, you study Islam. You, this is what it is. And if you look through that and you read those and understand, 
I don't see the difference. I mean, you're a Muslim, you're a Muslim. If you study Islam and you believe in these things, the whole basis of this is the Quran. And the, yeah. and the Quran is what we're speaking about here. Now, does that make sense, what I just said, Tamara? Yes, of course. And let me just tell you, a lot of people talking about moderate Muslims and extreme Muslims. Please. And, and there is nothing like this. Islam is Islam. Being a Muslim, whether you know it or you you don't, you are tend to be an extreme or uh, uh, extremist Muslim once you know a few things about it. And once you know these things, you have to practice it. You have to do it because it's an obligation on you as a Muslim to prove your true uh, um, Islam. I don't know, Islam your point of view to prove yourself as a good Muslim, you have to practice these things. And so if you don't, nothing. if you don't, if you step over the line, if you step out of all of this, if you don't follow this path, you risk death. Yes. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Your life is at risk, friends. You risk death. You will be killed. you will be killed on the hands of Muslims. And we think about that just for a moment, how profound that is. So now you can take this and cut this alphabet soup up any way you want. Good, bad, uh, again, moderate. Uh, what does that really mean? If you're following the Quran and you have to understand what the Quran is and you have to read the first nine chapters that I've been told, just read the first nine. That's what the experts tell me tomorrow. You understand? That, yes, I, I do. Yes, I do. And, and they are 100% correct. There you go. So and I, I've never asked you that, but here we go. And they say, just read the first nine and then see what's in writing. So those who say they're moderate. So here's what I wonder tomorrow. Here's what I really wonder. When all this political mumbo jumbo is thrown at us as good loving Christian people okay and, and they say you know so moderate this so I wonder sometimes and this is just me now just just this might sound not nice but so what does a moderate Muslim mean does that mean that you you only kill half of the time and you don't the other half does that mean you don't sell your children for sex only half of the time and not the other half of the time does that mean do you get my point my friends what does that mean what does that mean does that mean something Sometimes? Does that mean some days? Does that mean when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it? And do you follow the Quran or don't you follow the Quran? So do you see how insane this all is? Yes. Yes, I can understand your point of view. And uh, being a moderate Muslim is those who, who do not know Islam very well. Let me just clarify this for you. These people, they do not know Islam well or they are trying to humanize Islam. They are trying to make Islam uh, um, um, suitable for the daily life. And uh, when it comes to them, they, if, if, if a, a man wanted to marry a, a, another woman, like for the fourth time, then he's a good Muslim. He can practice Islam uh, very good. And that is a good thing for him. He's a moderate Muslim. But when it comes to like um, um, asking for his daughter hands for marriage and she is like six years old and he would say no, then he's a bad Muslim. 
you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes they just flip the table the way they want it. And I don't think this is a, a quality of, uh, of, religion, of, of God's religion, of what God's wants you to be. So as we listen to Tamara El-Bayadi and we listen to her story growing up as a little girl in the Middle East and we understand what she went through and the struggle she did as a little girl and then you hear how Tamara just phrased that and put that out there for anybody to understand you can understand what she just said yet you won't get that truth from our political leaders. Why? Because it's not expedient them for them to do so. It doesn't help their agenda out. And quite frankly, my friends, the truth can often hurt. Nobody said the truth would make you feel good. The truth is not about feeling good. The truth, the truth is not about, you know, am I a good person or a bad person? The truth is the truth. It's undeniable. And so when you hear Tamara El-Bayadi put her story out there, a lady who now, and by the way, I'm going to wrap up by saying this to you. Now, Tamara is not only converted as a Christian, but this is a, 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 a beautiful person who lives in America now, has a, a 20-month-old baby girl uh, that uh, was born here and has taken on a whole new life of meaning and has stepped away from that dark part of the world, and yet she has in her heart a means to tell others so that they know and understand. But my point today, this is a truth that you cannot find through our leaders, through the media, the mainstream media elites. They don't want to have these stories. They're not going to have Tamara on because this is not a story they really want to talk about because it doesn't help them out. They all have their own agenda. It's a very political agenda. My agenda here on talk is what I call the truth. The truth is the truth. It doesn't change. Next time, I'm going to invite Tamara back on to talk to you all again to share with us a story about the garbage bag. It's a very fascinating story that Tamara, I will ask her to share with us how that garbage bag almost caused her life. She almost died because of the garbage bag and what had happened because of it. It's a very unique story that I read and that she sent me privately to read prior to having her on today. It's an incredible story and I just commend her for who she is and how she has stepped out in her life and her new life for looking for the truth. Here is the full testimonial from Tamara El-Bayadi. I was born and raised as a Muslim girl in a Muslim country. Um, my grandmother and my father took care of us, uh, me and my two elder sisters. Um, that was after my mother left to be an actress uh, in, in Kuwait. My father um, died in 2003 in Syria where we were fleeing the war. Um, my mother, I'm, I don't have a, a lot of connection with her, but I had to have a connection at that time because she was my only escape. So um, I learned to be a, a committed Muslim early age uh, through my uncles and aunts of my mother's side. And, and um, 
they were very committed i used to pray five times a day and read from the quran every day and practice fasting every year in ramadan i never thought in my life that i would turn one day to be a a christian and to be a converted a person who believes in lord jesus uh, my story started when I was in Kuwait in 2008 after leaving my, my mother's house for the second time because we had a lot of disagreements at that time. Um, I, I got a job and I rented an apartment. Things were going very good for me and I even got my first car. Um, a year after when I, I changed, when I, sorry, when I moved from my mother's house, I had to change jobs and um, I worked for NBC Channel uh, office in, in Kuwait. It is when I first met my friend, Lena. Lena is uh, a Christian. Uh, um, Jordanian girl um, she had a, a little bit of, of rough time at that time so uh, we agreed to be roommates and of course being a Muslim with a Christian uh, roommate a lot of uh, conversations and let me say debates happened between the two of us especially when it comes to religion we we tend to take like sides against each of us but we still friend by the end of the day. So because of the uh, ongoing discussions between me and Lena, I, I believe at that time she thought it's better for her to introduce me to her group of friends, which, which they were, uh, most of them were Christians. And later I knew that um, I, I think 90% of them, they were converted from Muslim to be a Christian. Before, uh, Lena had to, of course, leave Kuwait because she wanted to go back to her family in Jordan. But before she leave, um, uh, before she left Kuwait, um, uh, when she introduced me to her friend, they became a very close friend to me. We used to meet a lot, me and them, and go through these discussions of Christians and Muslims and uh, why Islam is uh, is I don't want to say bad but why Islam is not like the real thing here so um, I never really realized that I would be a Christian one day but the conversion process at that time was not easy for me because I had to go through a lot of research and I had to read a lot of books and compare between the two religion and ask people in in, in, in mosque that that is we they call it sheikh in, in Arabic and um, I read the Quran many times and I read the Bible too comparing the both religion and the more I read from the both the more I realize I wanted to accept Christianity in my life but without converting you know like um, I wanted to be a good person but I don't want to be a Christian because converting from uh, to to be a Christian from Islam is a death sentence this is nothing we we can joke about it was a struggle to me because in, a, in, in some point I wanted to find a middle ground with, between the two worlds, which I can relate to both religion without embracing one over the other. But 
what I was doing actually at that time is I had fear rather than belief. Um, I was very scared to convert than believing that I'm going to convert. I was so afraid because I was afraid to face death sentence in, in Islam. But when I realized it is my eternity that I should care about, not my life, I couldn't refuse the truth or let go of it. Although I was so very scared to to um, to convert, I accepted the the fact that I'm gonna be a Christian so very soon. But I wanted to be a hundred percent sure that I am doing the right thing here and taking the right step here because it's not easy for me and it's it's not easy for any Muslim to take this step. In on the evening of December two thousand. Uh, 2009 uh, sorry on the evening of December 25 2009 um, I had two of my friends um, um, for dinner one of them is a Syrian girl and the other one is uh, Egyptian girl and they both were converted and um, I had um, um, my friend Lena my roommate at that time that that was before she she leaves Kuwait um, we were having dinner together and suddenly they decided it, it was not suddenly actually they they just decided that they want to pray for me because I said listen to me if I want to be a Christian I want to see the Lord himself if you say that he is um, he's alive and he can hear me and he he can see me so I want him to show me himself because that will be the step I wanted to take it was a very hard thing for me to do at that time of course so let me say that I wanted to be a hundred percent sure that I'm doing the right thing um, I, I really needed a strong, undeniable assurance that if I'm going to change my religion and risk losing my life and my reputation, it's better be the right thing to do. Not like fantasies or like, uh, um, like youth, I don't want to, I don't know what to call it, like uh, embracing new uh, principles in life because I'm just youth and I'm enjoying my life. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a hundred percent sure. So my uh, my friends they sat together and we were like uh, sitting in, in my living room and they started praying. And uh, um, the more they prayed, the more I was like, okay. I, I think you you can hear me. I, I, I don't know if you're here. And while I was talking, my friend Lena, uh, she started to cry and she 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 got into a very um, emotional situation. Um, I looked at her and she was like, I feel the Lord is here with us. So the moment she said this, I was like, okay, if, if you are here, why didn't you come to me and you know that I need you and I need to, to see you because this thing, the whole prayer thing is, is for me to see you. Why would you go to another person? 
is it because she's a Christian already? I felt so very jealous of, of my friend. So um, it's, it was just a moment when I closed my eyes and uh, I felt something like very, very strange and very powerful happening to me. I felt somebody's hands sweeping my head and forehead and not one time but two, two times and this is to to be a hundred percent sure that someone is hearing me so i the thing happened is i jumped up my chair and i started shouting i believe in you you're the lord jesus my god and my redeemer that was the first few uh, words came out came out of my mouth then once i said these words i felt like a, a gush of um, unreal unusual energy uh, through all of my body i was i i was feeling that i'm gonna explode right now but um uh, something is holding me together like my body is so small comparing to the energy i felt and uh, at the same time i felt so peace and so calm you know like uh, having this feeling of of different kind of feelings hitting you for the for like one time and you just don't know what to do um i just felt like this is happening and this is real I will never forget this night. I really, what happened and the happiness I felt, the, the peace I felt, I never, never forget this this day. And um, it was the night when I felt that this is my eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is what I felt at that moment. 